Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. They can see authority figures which are their teachers and sometimes their parents can be the enemy and I think it's just wanting them to know that when they come home home is actually a safe place to be it's not a place of judgment and I think as Christians we want to um, model grace and that when you come home it is a safe place. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm Ed. I'm the director of Faith in Kids. We are parenting through the stages. We've got all the way up to 11s to 14s. The idea of this series is that as a parent, we are mostly bewildered. And just as we're starting to work it out, we move on to the next stage. So I have a child who's just leaving primary school and I've just understood how to help him through primary school and now everything's about to be torn up. I start again and I'm clueless again. The hope of this podcast is to talk you through from some people who have done it a bit is what they have learned so we can take a moment and think, what am I trying to do? In the 11s to 14s window as a parent, how can we do this? What are some modest goals to have? What are some things to be attempting? And as ever, we're trying to raise our children to know Christ. We're for you. None of us quite get it, but the Lord does. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by some old friends. Chris, can you introduce yourself? Where are you? What do you do normally? And tell us a bit about your children. Hi there. I'm Chris. I live in Malvern and I am a maths teacher. I've been doing that for over 20 years now, which is quite scary. Um, and we've got two girls, 15 and 13, and a boy like Ed, who's just leaving primary school, who's 11. Uh, and Chris, j- just tell me a little about teaching. Do you, do you still enjoy being in a room with young people? 
at a secondary school? I think at the moment, I definitely enjoy being in a room with young people, having spent a lot of the last year and a half not in a room with young people and realising that teaching over the end of a computer is totally soulless and no fun whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I'm still excited by maths. I'm still excited by teaching and just the all round influence that you can have on young people. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I'm also joined by Sarah and John. Sarah, do you want to start? Why don't you tell us a bit about your family and where you are? Yeah, sure. So we're up in South Yorkshire. We're in Sheffield um, and we have three children and they are 14, 11. So just leaving um, junior school and about to start secondary as well. And then we have a nine year old keeping us on our toes. Thank you. And John, just tell us, um, you and Sarah have been involved in youth work for a long time. Tell us a bit about that and and, what, and whether you still do that in your church and a bit about your jobs. Uh, yeah, so uh, my day job is a graphic designer, but um, I've been involved over the years, different bits of youth work, both things like um, so summer camps, but also I, I did serve uh, for a while as an apprentice at church down in London as a youth worker there. Um, Sarah's done similar things and is currently uh, the uh, youth and kids worker at our, at our church here in Sheffield. Um, so she's uh, part time, but, uh, you know, really on the ground doing the stuff with youth and kids. And I serve on the team as well. Um, I lead uh, Pathfinder Bible Study uh, and help with the, the sort of midweek um, groups for the 11s, 14s as well. Sarah, do you have to give John critical feedback after a Bible study and tell him how to improve? <laughs> um, I've, I have done for a couple of talks, yes. I often see them beforehand as well and go, oh, you don't want to say that. <laughs> I actually remember John telling me that Sarah was a fierce critic, but always <laughs> very helpful. I do remember that conversation. Absolutely. Um, Sarah, can you get us started with, um, for an alien who had just landed, what is an 11 to 14 year old? Oh, they're a weird hybrid moving from childhood to adulthood. Um, they are a special species of their own. Um, yeah, so I think that um, they are people who are trying to work a lot of stuff out, um, who have had various experiences in childhood that may or may not have been fun and wonderful, but are working out what it means to be an adult and a person in their own right. Um, they are someone who's having a lot of stuff thrown at them at school and how the world says that they should behave and how they should look and the ideas that they should have. Um, and um, those of uh, 11 to 14s who are in churches and in Christian homes are also trying to measure that up with what they have heard, hopefully, um, through their childhood and um, about who Jesus is, about what he has done, about whether he's there at all um, or whether God exists and balance all those things up on what it looks like. Um, to live as a Christian person, a Christian adult, God willing, um, and juggle all those different things together and work out how to do it in, in the best way and getting it wrong a lot uh, and getting it right in ways that are surprising and wonderful um, and uh, are looking for help along the way. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. Chris, can you give us a hand with just telling us how they're different to eights to elevens? And maybe as you teach 15s to 18s, do you, do you see what comes next as well? Yeah, I think um, 
11s to 14s find it quite tough because they're at the bottom end of a big school. Um, I think the 8 to 11s have sort of almost been the shining examples that the, you know, by the time they leave primary school, um, they're generally more compliant. I think they, they go along with what the family says at aged eight to 11. Um, I think 15 to eight year old, 15 to 18 year olds are a little bit more settled. They've got a clearer view of where they want to go in life. Um, they've sorted out behavior. Um, they probably are more focused on academic work and seeing the next stage. I think 11 to 14 year olds are still in that um, slightly silly, unpleasant phase. You know, they're going, I've written down that 11 to 14s, um, if you've got boys, they are generally smelly. They haven't worked out their personal hygiene. Um, <laughs> and they can be very selfish as well, I think. And that causes um, parents a lot of difficulty. I think, you know, you just see this very selfish individual. Um, and they do make lots of mistakes. Um, they are continually getting it wrong. Um, but um, is, I'm going to talk about failure, if that's all right. Do. Off you go. Uh, yeah. And Chris, when you say they're getting it wrong, can you just give yeah. me a couple of examples? Yeah. Of the sort, what do they so, do when they get it wrong? So my daughter, well, I, I see I see it going wrong at school an awful lot. They, they just, uh, it's almost as if they, uh, their, their deliberate intention for the day is to see how many teachers they can annoy in one day. Um, but no, we had a situation, um, last year. Alice was, um, mucking around with some, um, friends at school, just threw a, I think it was a snowball or something, but it had a, it had a stone in it. And of course, the, with amazing sense of aim that she's got, it hit this person's iPhone and smashed it. And, um, the poor girl came home. She didn't tell us, um, you know, she, and, and this was the difficult thing from our point of view is she just, you know, when we eventually found out, she just said, I thought you'd be really cross. I thought you'd be really angry. And we just had to sort of tell her that, no, we, we wanted to know more than, you know, forget the phone. We just want, you know, we, we'd love you to be honest with us. So we found out from, um, school and amazingly, she had felt so, cut up inside that she had gone and confessed to her year leader at school before it got found out. So there was, you know, there's this different, you know, thing that morally she's got a good compass, but at the same time we were hurt that she didn't talk to us, but it led to a very good conversation. And I think that's the great thing about failure is it always let ends up or it generally ends up with a good conversation and the ability to move on further. So, Chris, talk us through that. You you are a fan of failure. And in, I've just been reading a book, and I hope you look forward to the podcast on a mind of their own, which has a chapter on this, Chris. So I just want to say you're in good company. You're not the only one yeah. who believes in this. Just Just give us a couple of stories or tell us exactly why failure can be so helpful. And as a parent, what you can do with it. Well, my, I think, well, my classroom is filled with posters that encourage failure. You know, I've got various things like mistakes are the first step in learning, um, and all the rest of it. And I haven't succeeded yet. And all of this. And I think if we set children up with the idea that they have to get it right first time and they have to be perfect initially, 
then that is going to lead. I mean, we're big into mental health issues at the moment, and I, it just puts too much pressure on. Whereas I think bringing children up in a in a world where they know it's okay to get it wrong, and ultimately, if we're Christians, we're coming from a biblical viewpoint. We get it wrong all the time, and there is forgiveness every time we ask for it. And I think there's this um, very difficult balance that we will know as parents of grace versus rule keeping and expecting certain standards, but it being there is always, you know, trying to model the Bible's view of how we're treated by God is unbelievably difficult. Um, And, but, you know, I'm, you know, I think children fight, you remember how hard do we find it to say sorry to people? How hard do we find it to tell our parents we stuffed up? And so therefore, I think actually, I'm also coming at the point of view that I fail. And when I fail, I need to tell my children that I have failed. I've let them down. I've not done as good a job as I could have done on that. And I think that's really helpful. Thank you, Chris, for explaining that. Uh, John, can you give us some help with um, what are the, what are the conversations you're trying to have with the children in this in this window? What, what are, are there themes you keep coming back to? Um, yeah, definitely. I think some of the things that what Chris has just already touched on. Um, you know, there are just areas of their life where um, things are just coming into sharp focus. You know, their differences with with their peers. Um, their sense of success or failure. I think that is a, a huge thing, whether that be sporting stuff or school stuff um, and just kind of how they deal with that. So our um, our middle one, for example, is, 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 is quite, uh, he's very in touch with his emotions. He's, he's a very sort of, uh, he's got a very um, deep heart for things. And so he feels things really keenly. Um, and so he will, uh, you know, find things hard when he's not, at the same level as other people, whether that, you know, no matter what that might be. Um, and that's a, a conversation that we, we, you know, we keep coming back to about that sort of comparing yourself to others and, and, and how that works. Um, Tell us, John, how, what, honestly, how does that conversation work? What What is it you're trying to say to him? Well, it generally works with some emotion to start with um, from his point. Uh, and then from my point, I'm not always the best at dealing with that. So my emotions then tend to tip over as well. Uh, that's when Sarah steps in and she calms us both down and we are able to <laughs> talk about things in a little more helpful way. Um, maybe he's more like me than I would like to admit. Um, but it, it has to just come down and it feels like we're saying the same things over and over again. Um, and we have to, that, that God loves him, that God loves us, um, that we are, that we're not to find our worth in uh, the external things of this world. So whether he's the best on the football field, whether he's in the top set at maths um, and, you know, not that it's a wrong thing to strive for those things. And, uh, you know, we work with him uh, and, you know, all of our kids to try and, you know, achieve what they can. Um, but we're always trying to say to them, look, this is not where 
um, you will succeed and God will love you because you do that. It's not where if you succeed, mummy and daddy will love you more if you're in a better set at maths than you are um, than you were last year. Um, and so there's a reassurance there. There's, there's a push to rely on God's grace um, to know that we could fail completely uh, in in life from a worldly point of view, um, but if we are trusting in Jesus, then then God will will always love us, um, and that's yeah that that's something we we come back to quite a lot, um, and we just have to keep embedding that. In. And the reason we have to come back to it quite a lot is because I I don't have that sort in my head. I know that um, theoretically, uh, and when it happens with my child, I'm able to say, oh yeah, this is what the Bible says. But so often my life shows that actually I do think what people care about me. I do care more about what the world says than what God says. And so actually when I'm having those conversations with um, uh, with mine, uh, with my kids, I, I'm talking to myself as well. Yeah, Thank so you. the, yeah, go on. <laughs> Sarah, I was, I was only going to say um, with, with a peer group at this age, there's something happening yeah. in particular with a peer group. They're much, much more aware of it than they were with eights to elevens. Can you tell us the difference that makes and how we're trying to help them with it? Yeah, so I think that um, that peers are becoming really important. So your friendship group become your family in a different way as they get older and older. And as parents, we're desperately clinging on to them being ours and belonging to us. So there is sort of a sense of us sort of having to let go a little bit more on that. But similarly, we that's because we see peers telling them things that maybe don't align with what we um, would hope that they've learned from the Bible over the last however many years. Um, so peer friends are telling them that they can um, do whatever they want to do, that the world is telling them that they just need to dream big and they can do whatever that is. Um, and if you're not going to achieve those dreams, then you haven't worked hard enough and they see their friends doing well at different things. And I know that one of the conversations that we've had is all my friends tell me that I'm rubbish at doing this because I can't even do this thing or um, none of my friends like me because I can't do X or Y or um, because because I don't have a phone or because I am not on the latest game, therefore I am not equal in their sight. Um, and so we've had conversations about going back to what John was saying, really, about where our worth actually is. It's not in um, what other people think of us or the things that we own, but because Jesus has already paid the price for us and, and we are loved children we we keep talking about the fact that we are so loved um and we talk about you know um we slightly catastrophize things so what if this thing happens and we sort of talk about um well what's the worst thing that could happen there will mum and dad will you get tea tonight if that goes on yes i'll get tea tonight will i still love you yes i'll still love you will god still let you into heaven if you've not got a phone oh should we talk about that a little bit more and these conversations about you know making it a little bit ridiculous but having a conversation so actually they know they pull these truths that they already know out the back of their head and talk with it a little bit more chris there's something happening isn't there with uh, uh, that those thoughts that sarah is describing they're now having for themselves rather than you just telling them that there is an increase in independence isn't there um yes absolutely i think 11 to 14 is a beginning begin, as soon as they get to 
secondary school beginning to think they're almost adults and they're entitled to their their own um as we say friendships their own experiences that are certainly devoid from the rest of the sort of nuclear family and yeah there is a sense of parents letting go which is difficult um but it, and encourage and it's also difficult when we see them making wrong decisions or um you know, choosing friends that you may not have chosen for them. Um, but we just have to support them through that. Um, I just want to talk a, a little bit about the importance, I suppose, of church friends and keeping up with Christian friendships. So we were very fortunate to have good Christian friendships from our church in London. There's still people we see regularly or make a, an effort to see regularly. Um, I just drove 130 miles back yes there and back yesterday to see my hip surgeon who um is one of my dear christian friends um and those small short encounters make a big difference now the children don't see each other that regularly but the joy of a phone actually is that they they do stay in touch now on they're all on each other's, other's instagram feeds and they do message each other so the these friendships that they've grown up be that have been as natural as anything since the time they were born are still managing to keep going but the you know the flip side is we now go to it. We go to a church now that we have to drive 20 minutes to get to, um, which is fine. But we do try and make the effort to make sure that so I go, you know, I take Hannah back to church on a Sunday evening so she can do um, after church Bible study group. And she's forming enough, a good identity within that group there and enjoys that and is learning from the Bible. And they may not be her most natural friendship group, but there is friendship there, which we want to obviously encourage. Um, things like summer camps, um, great opportunity when they happen, um, to make good Christian friendships, which are, I guess it's the children flexing their wings slightly and um, or spreading their wings, flexing their muscles um, and, they, you know, beginning to make friendships that are, are, from our point of view, good, healthy friendships, but are not determined by me. Um, and I think that's really important. That's certainly what I found. My experience was at that age of going to summer camp was, oh, I'm making good friends my parents have got nothing to do with it, but yet they were very supportive of the friendships I was making. And, you know, steering a course through for them that still involves good, healthy Christian friendships, I think is so important at this age. And Chris, the downside of this might be that we're only speaking to parents of 11 to 14 year olds, but it does sound like what we should have been covering in the five to sevens, the eights to 11s and under is... Are we are we putting kids of their own age from Christian families around them that might go on to become people they turn to later who share this faith in Christ? Do, do you look back and see that, you know, the Lord has done a good thing and maybe you've made some brilliant decisions in that? Um, yes, I, I think the Lord has certainly made, has certainly given us very, very good things um, and that God will give you what you need at the right time. And, you know, I can also look back and think, actually, I, I, my oldest friend is somebody I met on 
camp when I was 15 or 16. So actually almost, you know, I didn't have the privilege of going to a particularly good church growing up. Um, so, you know, I'm fully aware also that the friendships that my daughters say at the moment are like their best friends. They're going to go traveling around the world with them when they're 18. They they probably will have fallen out with each other by then. Um, <laughs> they may not be best friends. Um, whereas, um, yes, I think I think the Christian friendships, it's it's the slow drip feed friendship, which is so which is important, actually, that the they look back and think, oh, yeah, six years ago, you were in my life. We only did a few things, but you were there and you're you're still in my life. And yes, who knows? We, I mean, luckily, God is far bigger than we are when it comes to um, putting them in touch with the right people. Sarah, can you have a go at, um, at giving us a, a big goal you might have in mind for, for parenting 11s to 14s? Yeah, so I think that um, something that we, uh, John and I were chatting about um, as we were thinking about this is um, our prayer really is that our 11 to 14 year olds know, know, don't just know who God is, but have a personal relationship with him and um, are taking ownership of that for themselves. So whilst we have delighted in reading the Bible with them and bringing them to church um, and introducing them to God through the person of Jesus and through his word, we really want our children to know God for themselves because um, I remember being quoted at once years ago, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And and so we want our kids to know God themselves as their father and be taking some responsibility and ownership for that so that they have a desire to read the Bible themselves because they love God and that they have a an urge to pray when anything happens delightful or awful because God is their father and they know him and they know that he's got the power to do things and that they want to go to church because they know they're going to see mates there but they also know they're going to meet God there and they're going to see a granny there that they have a conversation with and they're going to play in crash with the babies and they've got that relationship with the church family as their own person. So so our goal is for them to be taking on a little bit more of that. Not that we're not going to take them to church and we're just going to say you're on your own, but but that they've got that desire and they're wanting to do that themselves and are, are motivated to do that a little bit more than perhaps they are as children. John, can you help us with what that will look like? What 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 the what steps we can take? What what deliberately intentionally we're going to try and do? Uh, I can try. Um, so I think Sarah touched on, on, on one example of that. You know, when our kids were younger, we would sit down and, and read the Bible with them as much as possible. We're not we're not great at that as a family, but we we did our best, you know, working through Bible reading notes. And as they're getting older, we're wanting to encourage them to say, you know, we're, we're providing, we're still paying for the Bible reading notes that will help them to, to read. But we're saying, are you going to go and read the Bible? You know, go and do that, uh, you know, by yourself. And then, and then it's looking for the opportunities to, to talk about stuff with them. Um, and so they are engaging with it themselves. We're not just kind of telling them what the Bible says, but they're grappling with it. Um, I think them being part of, of church is crucial. Um, so our elders, particularly, uh, we've got a, a Pathfinder Bible study, which she's a part of. Um, and it's, it's a joy because she's, um, she's with other, 
um, people of her age and then led by two Christian women in the church who are much younger and cooler than we are, um, but are good, faithful Christian women. And so she's she's getting an example from from them. She's being taught by them. Um, and so we're really confident that she's there, she's learning, but she's doing that kind of by herself a little bit. Um, now, still with the peers and, and people guiding her, uh, but we're able to step back a little bit from that. And I think where we've seen encouragements is is where when we are a little bit more hands-off at this age, but when the conversations come, we're suddenly encouraged by the fact that, oh, oh, you're thinking about this stuff in a way that, you know, we, we hadn't realised because you did that in, in a Bible study two weeks ago. Um, and so I think that there's some key things. I, I think, I think having that independence in church, as Sarah was saying, is really key. Them, them starting to, to serve by themselves, to have their own identity there. Um, and know not just as, oh, well, that's John and Sarah's kids, but actually that's, um, you know, that's their, she's their own, her own person. Um, she's there. So I think that's, it's, it's guiding them in those kind of ways to, um, to take some of that ownership. Thank you. Uh, Chris, um, with independence, comes the children's ability to make terrible decisions away from you uh and and you've given us one story can can you um can can you talk us through this and uh, i saw a tweet actually yesterday that says something like i need help i've got a teenager i can't make him do anything what are your ideas and it did sound a bit like this they had a dog in the house you know what um, Chris, can you, can you help us improve on? You've got a wild animal in your in your house running feral. What do we do? Um, yeah, difficult, isn't it? Um, I think cho- not every battle is worth fighting. Um, so it used to be the case that um, we asked the children to do things; they would do them, whether it be begrudgingly because we were the boss. Um, now that we're being re- I'm being greeted with, why should I? Or, no, I don't want to. Or, why can't you do it? Um, so I think two two things I, I, I think is that I think it's useful to sit down and agree some sort of ground rules that you've worked on together, that it's not just the parents laying down what they want to see happening in their house. Um, so we've got, you know, beginning of the summer holidays is about to start and we've, we're faced with that, um, issue with our 13 year old. She could quite happily spend the whole summer holidays on her phone or on you trying to do things. And it's just trying to, so we've got, you know, there's limits, you know, we've got a sort of three hour limit on the phone that has been agreed. Um, I think she can find ways around it. Um, but it's just a, a, about saying, so I think we're going to come up with something that might go along the lines of, right, your phone is not allowed up into upstairs um, certain days of the week, or you have to, we, we're going to do these things first, then we'll give you two or three hours of time on your own. And I think it is, you know, one of the things is that teenagers do want time away they do need time just to be themselves now and i think you know if we're we if you've raised young children you'll know that you're around them an awful lot they want to be with you um and they're coming and put can you do a jigsaw with me can you come and do this can you kick a ball in the garden and now all of a sudden the dynamic changes and it's the parents saying can you come and do a jigsaw with me um <laughs> can you come and play a game um 
And so I think just a little bit of agreement as to what I think from a Christian point of view, um, it's very it is difficult because they're beginning to appreciate that, as we've mentioned a bit already, that the their friends have got and their friends' families will have different values to what we have, um, whether, it, you know, particularly in the areas of sexuality um, and and drink and things like that, which are going to start at the end of this age group to play a little bit of a part in what's going on. And just to lay down that because we're Christians, we want you to have a good time. We want you to enjoy yourself. But that doesn't always mean going and getting drunk or whatever. And we will, I'm sure there will, you know, years to come, there will be conversations about why we don't think it's appropriate for them to bring a boyfriend home and share a room together. And, but those are conversations that, you know, they've got the good moral input, but, um, you know, there'll be challenging conversations to have. But I'm, it's interesting. Padge and I are slightly different on this. In terms Padge of, is your wife, to be clear. Padge is my wife, sorry to be clear. Um, it, I think I, because I have worked with teen, teenagers, I can, she thinks I'm probably a little bit more slack. Um, maybe fathers generally are just a little bit more slack. Um, but, when it comes to, you know, she she wants to fight a battle over the state of the how much floor you can see in the girls' bedrooms. I'm not too fussed about how much floor I can see. Um, if they want to keep their room like that, that's um, <laughs> that's up to them. And for me, the you know, it's that I want to preserve the relationship. I don't want to lose the children over petty things. Um, and keep the bigger things in mind. Chris, you you were um you've chatted to me before on on you want them to come home and know you're for them. Exactly. I, Tell I us think, about that. I think I think that you know we're we said already that children are confused. They can see authority figures, which are their teachers, and sometimes their parents can be the enemy. Um. And I think it, it's just wanting them to know that when they come home, home is actually a safe place to be. It's not a place of judgment. Um, and I think as Christians, we want to um, model that idea, you know, as we've said before, grace and that when you come home, it is a safe place. And, you know, um, and for them, and I think then that, conversations can then start we've got some very good friends who live here who she is a wonderful christian lady who models wonderfully um parenting i think she wouldn't say she does but i always had a lovely um thing that whenever the, any of the children get home from school she would make them almost come and sit and have a cup of tea for half an hour and just spill what they wanted to. Then they can go off and do their own thing. And she just said it was a great place just to touch base, where avoiding that thing of the children come in and their first thing is to access some technology that they've not been allowed to have for the last eight hours because they've been at school. And I think it's that thing of, yes, as you say. Um, and there are times, I think, when 
you know, so it's interesting in the uh, in the phone incident that we had previously with a broken phone. I think it, you know, as soon as we said, don't worry about it, we'll pay for it to get fixed. That was very much a case of Alice understanding that we were for her and we were we were actually defending her in this. We may have said you've been a bit silly, but we weren't going to make a big deal out of it. Um, and yeah, they've got enough difficulties in life. They need to know that their home is a safe place to come home to. I think one of the things we've seen with that is that we absolutely agree. And it's where some of the challenges come. Um, so, you know, it's from when our youngest was a lot younger. Actually, no, maybe it was our eldest. I forget. One of our children went, said when they were very young, um, they said, oh, I save all my naughty for home. Um, and we were we were struggling at that point of, you know, we, we you know, the kids had just or this particular child was being really um just unhelpful and sort of, you know, we'd come home, she would be, uh, this is when she was quite young, uh, she'd be acting up, she'd be throwing tantrums and and yet we'd speak to her teachers, you know, on a parent's evening and say, oh, she's a delightful child, you know, it's, it's all great. Um, but I think that ties in with this thing of feeling um, safe at home where actually we want them to come home and say, this this is where I'm most comfortable and so this is where I can be myself. Um, both the kids will have times when they're at school and they're having to be on their best behaviour the whole time and so they come home and that's when it all goes out and so that's a real that's a real challenge for us as, as to how we deal with that we have to remember um that actually maybe we're almost getting something right by the fact that they're they're behaving in that way at home because they are feeling that that love um but that's not to say then that we just sort of those things are are sort of swept aside you know that still is is a it's a good opportunity for us to to discipline and to train and encourage them as to, to how um they think about those things um and uh, yeah, I mean that is uh, that leads you know leads us on to thinking you know, how how do you how do we do that how do we discipline our children? I think it goes back to um, I think Chris was saying earlier about um, just that real challenge between grace uh, that that real challenge of grace sorry from the Bible where we're absolutely wanting to remind our children when they make a mistake that actually. Um, that that is a mistake, and particularly when it's something which uh, is is against how God would have them live. You know, and it's it's a case of sinning. We're wanting to to point them towards that. So that attitude of of coming home and sort of railing against parents is 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 not a great thing. You know, we're wanting to point them to to God's command to honor their mother and father. Um, but uh, it's it's constantly sort of uh, balancing that with uh, yeah with with saying, but there is forgiveness. Uh, and so we need to be ready to forgive them. Um, it's really modelling what God does. You know, God uh, forgives, but yet He doesn't say, "Oh, don't worry, all you know, don't worry about what you've done. It's not, it's not a problem." He's saying, actually, no, this this is a part of your life which you need to to sort out, and I want you to be more like me. But I I, I will forgive you because of what Jesus has done. Can we between us? Th- I mean, I, I suspect this is happening a lot in this age group. I suspect this conflict of uh, look, this is the way we, our family do it. Them living in a peer group that doesn't do it. Them having increased independence. I suspect this conversation of why can't I do this more? Why do we have to do this? That must be common. C- can we just think of a story or an example of this, of how, how we try and navigate that? So another area of conflict, I suppose, has possibly been one to do with money. Um, and again, that's related to independence and, you know, wanting more money than they might have. And um, 
So, you know, having a conversation about, well, yes, we're happy to give you an allowance, um, age 14 or whatever, um, but that means you have to buy this, this and this and et cetera. You're taking responsibility. Um, the experience of a cousin would tell us that for one of our daughters who is a um, uh, one of them is a saver and the other is a spender. And the and the spender is the one wanting the allowance, obviously. And she will she will um, learn by mistakes. And that's quite hard for us. She will probably go and spend her monthly allowance on cost of on cost of frappuccinos. And um, and much and much as I <laughs> find that difficult, she has it's another one of those things she has to learn from that. And, you know, so it, it's a conversation, how you use your money. And we then we can move into sort of slightly more Christian focused things. Of, is it right for you to use all your money on yourself? You know, if we're giving you X pounds per month, should you be thinking of what could you be giving to regularly and just trying to, to, mo- to model that? Um, I think one of the key things at this age is, We've done a lot of good groundwork over the years of te- reading, the, as, as, as John and Sarah said, reading the Bible with them. I think we're doing less of that now. We're certainly not we're not brilliant at encouraging them to read it for themselves. I think um, one does more than the other. Um, but one of the things I'm appreciating is I think they're looking to see how the worldview that we've brought them up believing um, whether it works out. And that, for us, that looks more like I'm now being judged in terms of I'm having to model it. They're looking to see how we react in certain situations. And therefore, they, you know, when the bad things do happen, you know, it's uh, they're, they're looking to see, do we panic or do we first talk to God? Do we trust him? Um, we had a very obvious example a few years ago when a very good friend's son died. Um, and our reaction to that, I think, was probably quite significant to the children um, at the time. And so I think we're, we're just doing a little bit of we try and start the morning off with maybe read one verse and somebody says a prayer. And all in all, it takes two minutes, if that. And I think the light touch permanently is is for us in our family is paying better dividends. I think I enjoyed listening to Ed, your conversation with your brother a few weeks ago, just that whole thing of just being growing up in it. You knew that the environment you were growing up in was a Christian environment. It permeated everything. It wasn't forced upon you. And the 11 to 14s don't want things forced upon them. But if it if it permeates through, it makes a lot more sense to them. Thank you, Chris. Uh, That podcast you're referring to is available on our (laughs) podcast stream. Uh, My brother and I had a great conversation. You've summarised it very well. And it's it's just, it, it is encouraging and worth pondering. Our children have testimonies. They have a story of growing up in a Christian home. We probably don't want to imagine the day they record a podcast where they explain to their sibling what it's been like. That's, that's not a day we look forward to. But we, our, our young people have a story of grace. They are able to say, how was Christ with you in this? 
what are the lows you remember of family life as well as what are the highs? Parenting, we all are very clear, is not how do we how do we get them from one permanent ecstatic euphoric experience to the next? Chris, you've spoken well on the value of failure. Um, Sarah and John, can you tell us a little about um, what 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 are the lows? How do you get through them? When are you most desperate? When are you most confused? (laughs) Who wants to start? (laughs) Wow, I think. I think the the hardest times have probably come in the last year <laughs> when I have been mostly me um in the house with the children all of the time and even followed to the toilet even though they are all the age that they are because they found the last year so unsettling it was like having toddlers again um and I think that has um ha- taught me to say out loud more this is hard shall we pray about this rather than um just crying in a corner <laughs> and repeating verses while rocking um but doing but letting the children see that like mummy's finding this hard as well actually and um i've had conversations this le- last year where i've said you know, mate, I don't really know the best way to help you here. And so let's sit and talk to God about how I can be a good mummy to you in this moment and how we can love God more and find out what it is that we need to do right now. Um, And they often come sort of in sort of crisis points, um, either because someone's not very well or because they're just, as I said, this last year has been quite hard, particularly for um, our middle child who's found it quite, uh, been quite anxious. Um, And so the, you know, you know, do not be anxious about anything verse I have quoted at least three times in the last two days. Um, And we've sat and prayed or we've walked and prayed or we've, um, there was one particular day in lockdown where um, he was anxious and sad and tantruming and I was anxious and sad and probably also tantruming. And we just told the girls we were going out for a walk and went for a walk together and there's a little um, wood near us and wandered in the drizzle in the mud and the rain and we both cried and we both prayed and um, and we both talked about how the other person had maybe said things that weren't helpful or kind and we both talked about how we could love one another better in that and um and it was, a, I was exhausted at the end of the day, I think, just because one of those days when you've just done a lot of crying. But also I was really encouraged that, you know, we'd sat on a soggy bench and talked with each other about how God knew what was happening and he was loving us and he had given us lots of things. We had lots of things that we could say thank you to God for in amongst of all the hard stuff. And therefore, we knew that God was a faithful God who kept his promises, who would look after us um, in however that might look in whatever circumstance. And that um, that we would go to be with him one day. And that was a that was going to be a good thing. Um, and and then to um, come home and, you know, carry on as normal and and but not, you know, slightly less teary. 
Um, and that was a that was a good thing. <laughs> Didn't wasn't any like suddenly and the world was better and the sun came out. Um, but we just did the next day and we tried again and we knew that God was with us in that as well. Um, I'd forgotten about that. That was a good thing. Chris, you were nodding furiously. Is that because you spend your life crying with your children? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can s- sympathise with it it's a good it's just a good thing it's just family being together and i think um one thing we've noticed is that um our, what we used to determine all the sort of family activities and the challenge when they start pushing through to sort of 12 13 14 is they've got different interests and it's finding common ground um so i think keeping family fun going keeping family any things to keep family stuff going, particularly during lockdown has been quite challenging. And, you know, we've always been quite an outdoorsy family, like jumping off cliffs and swimming in rivers and um, going canoeing and biking. The children had the, had the courage to say to me the other day, you know what, Dad, we don't really like mountain biking. I was I almost, I almost evicted them on the spot. <laughs> um, but, it, but it just means we've got to find slightly... It means I'm probably going to have to do a couple of more days shopping a year or going round towns or, you know, I'm not very excited by that. um, But finding a few TV shows that are are good fun to watch together and you can talk about is is good. John, as we prepare to finish this podcast, can you manage to give us... a summary as best as you have it of what our goals are for parenting 11 to 14 year olds. Uh, sure. I'll try. Uh, I, I think we've touched on it a little bit through, um, through uh, the discussion just now of that real sense of wanting them uh, to have that personal faith uh, in God, to know him for themselves. Um, and I think that is, uh, that involves a, a couple of things for us. So there's, there's some elements of us as parents need to learn to let go uh, we're going to have to learn to let them fail. We're going to have to learn to to make mistakes and and see what that looks like. Um, um, Sarah gave the example when we were chatting a while back about you know like teaching them to ride a bike. You know where when they're really little you hold on to them really tightly, but as they get older, you kind of your arms move away a little bit. You're still there. You're ready to jump in if you need to, um, but they're more independent. And then there will come a time when they're just kind of they're they're flying and they're able to uh, uh, to, to to go on with that. Um, but I think it, it comes that comes with some real real challenges uh, because we uh, we want to be controlling of things. We want to to be doing all of the things for them so that we can make them make them go the way we want them to go. Um, but at some point, we need to to kind of let go and and and, and trust that God's got it. So uh, you know, Romans eight talks about we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, those who He has called according to His purpose and. You know, we we pray. We've got to just pray constantly that our children have that personal relationship with God. You know, we do all we can to point them there, but it has to come at some point that it's it's them, and then we have to trust that God will keep them. And of all the things we can trust in, that I've got a lot more confidence in that than anything else. Thank you, John, very much. Chris, do you want to have a go? Is there anything to add from that? Yeah, I think I think. Um... The whole trusting in God is so important. The the children are making decisions for themselves. They're going to make wrong decisions. Um, we 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 need to support them and love them as best we can. Um, I think it's going to be costly for parents. 
um, in costly in terms of just time doing things. You may, you think your children are a bit more independent, but actually it is the taking them to church it, in the evenings. It's taking them around to a good friend to see. It's paying for them to go to summer camps. It's all of these things are just trying to help, as John said, navigate or steer them through these difficult times. But I think, you know, we've got um, several friends at the moment who are worried about their slightly older children who are um, saying, um, you know, I'm not wanting to be a believer at the moment or whatever. And just trying to say to them, you you have done a lot of good groundwork. God is sovereign. Um, He will if we were if we were the ones responsible for them being Christians completely, then that is a far more terrifying thing. And and actually, we have a good God who loves our children. Um, and the the journey that they go on may be a difficult journey for us to observe. But if it's his journey, then it's the right journey. Thank you, Chris. Sarah, are you willing to pray for the parents who are listening with their yeah. 11s to 14s? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for gifting us with these children. We thank you for the joys. We thank you for the fun times and the experiences that you have given us. Father, we pray for all of us as we seek to parent these children well. May we model Jesus's grace to them. May we teach faithfully your words. Please help those incidental and accidental um, conversations with our children. Help us to be wise in those moments and always loving. Help them to know that our homes are safe and loving havens for them. Help them to know that there is a heavenly father who is governing all things, who is guiding their paths. And Father, we ask that we as parents will have a real assurance of that love and direction for ourselves as well. Father, we know that you never let one of your children fall. And so we ask that you will be keeping them safe, keeping us safe. And above all, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because we know that our ultimate goal is to be with you and to give you the glory that you deserve. And so we ask that you will help us to do that in whatever aspect of life you bring us through and to. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us, Chris. Uh, John and Sarah, thank you for listening to us. Uh, maybe this is the first time you've heard one of these, uh, in which case check out the rest of the stream. Uh, I always tell people to start with the uh, the interview we had a very long time ago with Tim Chester, but maybe you can listen in on the next episode with 15s to 18s to know what's coming around the corner. Maybe you can listen to my brother and I talking about the normal Christian family and how there's hope from that. Uh, alternatively would you recommend this to someone else is there someone you know with 11s to 14s who would benefit from just hearing that they're not alone in feeling mostly baffled and confused who could you send this podcast on to or drop us an email tell us what we get right tell us what we get wrong we're at podcast at faithinkids.org and of course you could choose to support us so that we can make more of these podcasts we pay people real money Uh, That all comes from donations. We'd love to keep going. We'd love to be better. 
We'd love to help families and churches to raise children to know Christ. Will you help us with that? Our webpage, faithinkids.org. Click the donate button and have fun from there on in. You know what to do. Chris, John and Sarah, can we say goodbye? Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.